Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Integrity Matters by Turning In. Today with me in the house is the Pro Vice Chancellor of Humanities, Curtin University, Dr. Richard Blight. Hello, Richard. Hey, Chucky, how are you? Very good, very good to see you today. Um, so just before we begin, uh, we know that you're Pro Vice Chancellor of Humanities mm. at Curtin University, Australia. Um, so how does your role uh, at the university inform learning and teaching and be looking at academic integrity policies and all the things we do in regards to um, technology and use for learning and teaching. How does your role inform this? Yeah, okay, well, fairly big question. Yeah. Um, so as Pro-Vice-Chancellor Humanities, I do sit over uh, all of the academic programs within Humanities and I sit on academic board for the university, which is the peak governing board for academic matters, which would include all of those uh, categories and particularly uh, academic integrity. Uh, and so it, within my teams are all the people that look after uh, you know, how we set assessments up in the first place, how we manage those assessments and then how we deal with uh, issues of um, academic integrity on the ground, you know, as students are handing in uh, assignments and units and, and how we bring students into that process and also help them understand matters of academic integrity, which in this day and age are shifting and moving reasonably quickly. Yeah, um, just talking about assessments and um, your, your role at university in forming um, learning and teaching strategy. Um, what, can you talk to us about your institution's overall strategy for assessment, especially when it comes to students meeting learning outcomes? So I, I, I'm not sure that our university would be all that different to others. I mean, the, the, primary, the primary task of assessment is to really ensure that graduates from, uh, from units and from courses and programs have met the learning objectives that have been set and, and that those, uh, those outcomes are consistent with, uh, with the AQF, the Australian Qualifications Framework, and that then also helps us situate those learning outcomes in terms of an internationally recognisable uh, set of uh, attributes and qualifications mm. that students graduate with. So I, mean, I think that's really the overarching uh, aim mm. from, a, uh, from a, a sort of um, process perspective. But um, assessment goes a lot deeper than that in that it's a really critical part of the learning journey itself. And in a way, that's the most valuable component of assessment is to help students understand progress uh, that they're making in their own learning journey uh, and to give really smart and responsive uh, teachers the mm -hmm. feedback that they need about how individual learners or groups of learners are engaging with a particular set of questions or how they're developing their skill sets depending on what it is that's being assessed. So I think it has... Uh, yeah, there's those two sides all the time to what assessment is and how it operates mm. uh, and people and within that of course then you have um, summative and, uh, and, and qualitative kinds of assessment uh, activities that are different gauges and have different play different roles in terms of how they inform uh, teachers and, and learners uh, uh, in, in those uh, activities. So now we have COVID hit, of course, and um, yep. no November of 2022, we've got ChatGPT now. So um, the assessment landscape has changed a little bit, or I'll, I'll say mm. it's changing. 
Um, what are your institution's top priorities um, for tackling this new challenge, especially with AI writing or even how this is going to impact academic integrity overall? It's a really intriguing space. I mean, how, you know, what AI is going to do for the world is, uh, is a really interesting and open question. If my cleaning robot at home has, is any indication, it's not necessarily going to be an ideal outcome. Yeah. Um, so I think we can, we can get a little bit too excited about just where the technology's got to and how much it will do next. And I think we have to uh, keep in mind some of the perspectives that AI is probably at a pretty early stage of development as yet. Mm-hmm. It can do some things extremely well, but understanding what it is doing is uh, really critical, I think, in trying to understand what its role is in, uh, in um, in learning environments and in how human learning happens. So that's that's really my focus as a Pro Vice-Chancellor is trying to know better how innovations like this will impact human learning mm. and then how we how we manage that mm. and, how, and how we best um, take advantage of it. Yeah, um, talking about the potential impact of AI, um, I'm sure you've got educators who are at a for it or against it. So, what are your what are their um, educator sentiments around um, AI and where it's going? Yeah, to be honest, I've not really heard too much negative um, talk. I've really heard okay. more a lot of curiosity. What could this do? Mm-hmm. Uh, how could it work? Um, there's a lot of concern about uh, questions like authenticity, and that's that's mm-hmm. the kind of big one that comes up in assessment. How do I know if this? Uh, if this assessment is is has been authentically produced by that learner, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so that's that's really my uh, focus is how we would how we would think about that mm-hmm. in terms of the way AI, AI continues to inform and impact on how students engage in their own learning process. But for me, it's not really a particularly scary uh, territory, and I'm not sure that. We need to be too tense about that. We certainly need to be aware of it and yeah. understand um, uh, what it does. But, but it really does come back to you, the the authenticity of an assessment task itself is really about how can this assessment task help a student um, move from where they start mm-hmm. to where they're going to end up, mm-hmm. and how does it help them gauge their progress uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. And how does it make that visible and, and give us evidence that that uh, journey has been undertaken in, yeah. uh, in a way that is reliable and we can trust and we know it's you that's actually Doing been on that journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that's really, for me, where the, where the questions lie. Okay. So you've talked about um, the evidence uh, with regards to the potential impact of AI in the education landscape. Um, but when it comes to learning and teaching and student experience, um, just in addition to what you said, are there any big concerns beyond what you've mentioned for learning and teaching? We've talked a little bit about assessment, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to learning and teaching, I'm sure there will be um, concerns around uh, what does this mean, how we we teach and how do we, how we conduct learning or even our learning experience for our students. Are there any other big concerns? Well, I think the, the biggest concern is uh, is helping students actually understand the, the purpose of assessment and the purpose of uh, degree attainment, for example. So 
if uh, and, and I, I do think we need to be spending time talking to our students about what those purposes are. So if a student comes in thinking, well, the purpose of being here is to get a certificate, mm. and to get a certificate, I need to have these boxes ticked, yeah. then that's a real problem. Mm -hmm. uh, if they see it as an opportunity to become much better at something, mm -hmm. then I think you're in a very different space in terms of how trustworthy the, the process and the system will be. Uh, and of course, at the end of the day, a student who uh, graduates without authentically having been through that transformational process uh, finds themselves with a huge problem because actually they can't do any of the things that they um, that they will be expected to do, to do with, with that. So, I think having those kinds of conversations is really important. I think you know AI in the end will be like the calculator and the abacus. Mm. They'll enable us to do things in different ways. Some things faster, some things better. Some things that will require um, you know, different ways of thinking about how you interact. So for me, um, you know, there's some great opportunities to to think about how do we set up assessment tasks that involve AI in really interesting ways. You know, what what sort of question are we going to ask yeah, our well, students <laughs> of AI? Well, yeah. How could you use this thing? What, yeah. what can this do? Mm. And I think there's quite a bit of confusion about what AI does. You know, there's I was looking there's a fantastic session this morning at Universities Australia about the voice and what that is and. Mm -hmm. There was a really brilliant image in that of the um, uh, Uluru statement from the heart. Mm. I had I had not actually realised how big that document is yeah, when they, is they were big. holding it up. You know, yeah. it's like a yeah. massive. Yeah. And and what what strikes me about that document mm. and then the the previous um, requests to government about representation is that these are formal documents that are presented also as an artwork. Mm. So if you notice, there was a the, it was. An artwork. Yeah, it was beautiful um, artwork. Yeah, with the signatories, mm. with the statement, and mm. it was a very holistic way of, of looking at it. Now, if we jump to AI, I can go to uh, um, uh, Dali, for example, and yeah. I can ask it uh, create me an Indigenous Australian artwork. Mm. Artwork. Yeah, and it says on the page, we this AI creates art. Oh, yeah, I think that's highly contestable, by mm. the way. But it will create something that is an imitation of uh, art. Mm. But there's something that happens there uh, where we start to confuse what's artificial. And it is artificial intelligence, right? And it's called artificial intelligence yes, for yeah. a reason. It's mm. an artificial and it's a simulation because it doesn't actually mean anything. Mm. And so the key difference is that if you look at that Uluru statement from the heart, as an artwork or as a, 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 a piece in itself, it has something about it that's not uh, the same as the, as the simulation or the artificial mm -hmm. reconfiguring of um, colour and line and things in a way that looks like it could be the, the real thing. indigenous art. Yeah. Uh, and that is its connection to its history, to its own history to the um, systems and processes of its making. I mean, what an amazing story of all these people coming across one of the biggest continents in the, in the world to this place to have this conversation that's then captured in this work. Mm -hmm. That's very different from just the patterns and the shapes that are on it. And then uh, how that connects to its future. 
So if you're thinking about assessments and uh, an object like the statement itself, mm. or you're thinking about assessment and an object which is a text that generated by AI, mm. uh, then uh, the, the way to really, um, if you like, expose the, the, the AI artificial the artificial part of the AI. Yeah. I'm trying to choose my language <laughs> yeah, carefully so I don't you know, yeah, I dump it. people in it. But if, oh, yeah. if you want to know, is this artificial or is this, is there some genuine learning that's happening, so happening here? Is to say, how is this connected to the processes by which it was made? And how is it connected to its history of how the learning happened, if you're looking at an mm -hmm. assessment task? Mm -hmm. And how is this connected to the future? What, what is a student where has the student got to and then able to project into having done this task? Mm. And if they are the things that you're assessing, uh, no AI can help the student, if you like, or not yeah. help. No, no AI I can uh, successfully substitute something that could be misunderstood as being the authentic product of that student's learning. So for me, that's the way, if we think about it in those ways and we structure the assessment tasks around those kinds of questions, rather than uh, is this object, this text or whatever it is that the AI has produced, mm. does it meet the assessment criteria? Mm. If you set the assessment criteria around how does this link to its history and how does it link to its future, the AI can't, uh, can't it's not going to be, it can't be problematic. Just just I, I I'll continue moving on, but I just wanted to touch on um, the assessment. I know I'm hearing a lot of positives with regards to introduction and, and opportunities, like you put it, with regards to AI. Um, will there be need to rethink um, assessment policies around that? Because sometimes uh, the policies might be. Um, suggesting a specific way of doing an assessment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and how quickly would universities adopt in making those changes? Some universities might take two, three years to go through the academic board. Some might take, they might allow minor adjustment, but what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that and on how that would be? Yeah, approach? I think it will absolutely demand um, a continual review and revision of, uh, of assessment policies. And that's pretty normal business in universities. and. It takes a little bit of time. It's not that um, it's, it's not that time consuming. It, it mm -hmm. will go through a normal academic uh, year process. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that slows it down really is not you know you can't sort of roll it out tomorrow because yeah. you've got a group of students who have come in under a set of expectations and you need to set the expectation up in advance. So we have to be polite about how we give mm -hmm. notice about a change in assessment practice. But mm -hmm. But I, I do think it will um, result in all kinds of innovative ways of thinking about assessment. And there's different kinds of things you want to assess too. So one thing that you might want to assess is instant recall. You know, can I remember the facts? Um, mm -hmm. And some people call this a sort of lower level learning. I'm not 100% convinced about that. I mean, if I'm talking to my doctor, I want him to know what the <laughs> drugs do <laughs> and what the, you, know, you don't want there to be any confusion oh, yeah. there. So. So actually, the ability to be able to recall facts quickly is mm. um, is uh, is one uh, form of learning that can be quite important and very important in some disciplinary areas. Well, potentially, I think there's fantastic ways that AI could actually be involved in assessment of that mm. uh, in a way that helps learners learn that stuff, uh, and that can 
that can really change how you think about maybe the lecturer is not actually doing that part of the assessment or, or yeah. not having to bring in assessors, uh, sessional assessors to assess that part. And then maybe that frees up other time mm -hmm. in the assessment process to look at some of those more qualitative aspects. Well, how did you go about this? Um, mm -hmm. Chucky, you know, what, how did you engage with this process? Mm -hmm. What methods did you use? How did you think about this? And how has it changed how you're looking at, the, at your own future or your own understanding of how you would deal with this problem? So, you know, I think um, there's, there's challenges and opportunities there that will be fascinating to continue to explore. Anyway, just moving lenses a bit, um, AI, the technology itself mm -hmm. is sitting or is being housed by an edtech company. Mm -hmm. um, I want to hear your thoughts on how edtech companies can consider or what they should take into consideration when rolling out this um, type of technology for institution. There are schools of thought that, rec that say it would be good if some people spend time with some academics and get them in the room and get a sense of where they're going in terms of direction, but ChatGPT just came out in November and um, I don't think anyone was warned about it. So what are your thoughts on in the future, if these things happen, how can edtech companies uh, uh, successfully roll this out? I think edtech companies will do what they will do and <laughs> that's their business. Uh, I'm not really sure that um, universities should, you know, should interfere with their free planning of how they want to go about things. But what I would say is that I think there's fantastic opportunity for collaboration. Uh, at Curtin, we've introduced four futures-oriented lenses through which we're trying to understand how the humanities can help the communities that we serve uh, address the challenges that they face. And one of those futures is learning futures. How do human beings learn? How is that changing um, um, just because of uh, societal changes and things, how's it changing because of educational changes uh, and technology changes and how does that human learning happen in social groups? So how does it, how does a corporation learn would be an example of a social learning system. You know, every major company, every ed tech company itself has to be a, a learning system. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to um, understand how human learning happens uh, using those kinds of lens. So I think uh, it's a fant fantastic opportunity for edtech companies to work with people who are experts in human learning, everything from the psychology to the practicalities of delivering human learning. And I think the uh, edtech products that came out would be much better if that were the case. But actually most edtech companies I know um, spend a lot of time talking to people who are pretty good at educating. So I think yeah. that's probably happening a lot yeah. uh, anyway as it should um, and it will be interesting you know we, we are moving into interesting territory where then large companies control things that we're uh, in many ways dependent on mm -hmm. so you know the latest uh, meta um, authentic authentication system where, yeah. where I now need to pay um, meta uh, monthly to uh, to be authenticated is yeah. an example of that uh, so it's not just in edtech, it's happening in technology generally, the way it's impacting our lives. And it's happening uh, with the rise of the mega company and, mm. the, and the mega companies that have become bigger than nations and that you know, control satellites that impact um, Ukraine and its war against Russia, that um, control our identities. Yeah. That, you know, it's, uh, we have to really think through uh, 
what what that all means and how it works. But mm. uh, but I certainly um, think that it's at the same time very interesting organic space that uh, that we can start to imagine and reimagine uh, scenarios and human futures that we haven't thought of before. But we do have to do that understanding uh, the ethical uh, and moral implications of, of those yeah. decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's where you know, the things like how you set up governance around that, how you set up um, um, social expectations, mm -hmm. how, you, um, how you monitor that and so on, policy frameworks that we create that allow that to happen or uh, that to some extent govern frameworks around that are all really critical. Mm -hmm. And it shows the work that we have to do because there's <laughs> It's yeah. a lot of stuff we have to keep pace with there. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot of learning for us. I, I do like the idea of um, Curtin already having a futures, like creating that opportunity for collaboration. Uh, um, Fantastic. I've got, I can send you an enrollment for <laughs> Do you think there is, with AI and COVID and everything that's happened, there are people saying we should go back to pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Do you think that? That would be the case, and um, or, or general. What are, what are your thoughts with regards to that? Do you think that's something we should go back to, or a little bit of both? Well, given the quality of my handwriting, I hope not. <laughs> uh, no, look, I think that's not not a very helpful way because you know when you say pen and paper, when you say go back to pen and paper, the inference is we go back to a former way of dealing with things and. That's really not going to. It's not going to help us understand how to engage with this technology. Mm. On the other hand, you know, there's all sorts of. Um, if you talk, talk about children in the classroom, actually, pen and paper is a really great fine motor skill development thing that helps create neuron pathways and all kinds of other physical impacts that it has in the brain. So yes, I think hand drawing, handwriting, mm. um, all that sort of stuff is still really critical. We're human beings with physical objects and our brains are connected to every part of our body. Not, mm. It's not just some thing floating in, in liquid in here. Uh, but I, I don't think that's a useful way of responding to changes in technology and so on. Mm. And you know, we, should, we, we should be uh, open to bringing bring this technologies in. I mean, I'm old enough to remember calculators being banned from exams. I do remember that. Having yeah. to take in those, yeah. um, yes, all the, uh, yeah. the paper resources and so on. And I don't think it's really damaged uh, human learning to actually have opened that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. I, I have a better story. I remember when we had the anti-logarithm anti tables, yes. when we had to calculate <laughs> logarithms yes. with the tables. They were my nightmare <laughs> at school. <laughs> so I think that, that, has, that shows how much technology can impact what we do, because that took mm -hmm. a lot of time. Mm. Um, exams that would be like two hours, we're now down to like 30 minutes for a question of that mm -hmm. nature. So I think there are opportunities that is, and I hear you when you say, when you think about the ethical considerations and think about what that means in terms of what we're currently doing. Um, I'm also curious to know with AI on the rise and AI generated work, we know students, uh, ChatGPT is so, sort of um, an AI, um, I'll call it an AI-assisted writing um, tool. Um, where does detection fit in as a strategy for, in your case, Curtin University? This 
does go back to some of our earlier comments that it depends what you're looking for. Um, detection, I think, is really helpful. I mean, I think some of the uh, technology developments around uh, being able to scan texts and pick up copied sections and so on has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I guess in relation to AI, this is another step again in terms of trying to understand uh, whether what we're looking at is authentic. But mm. um, but that, can, that authenticity comes from uh, the connection of the writing to its own histories mm -hmm. and to its futures. And that's really, if you can test around that, you don't need, you don't need to rely so heavily on, um, on other forms of detection. Although, you know, I still think those forms of detection are, are, are helpful. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think it's helpful for learners to understand mm -hmm. that that's, it's also not the point. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the fact that you can give me this text is not the point. The mm -hmm. point is, did you learn something? I can remember going, you know, I, I um, uh, partly came out of architectural history and I can remember uh, students' shock mm -hmm. when uh, I would look at an assignment they had written mm -hmm. and I would say, um, this, this piece here, you didn't write that. Oh yes, no, I did write that. I said, no, my friend Philip Goad wrote that. Like, mm -hmm. he's an architectural historian who actually wrote that. Yeah. And I was like, how, like, how, this is mega brain walking around, yeah. like knows every quote, but of course, it's your feel and you have a sense about it and you, you, you can see it. And so these forms of not understanding from a student perspective what the purpose is and then thinking that there's an achievement there by just placing text in there, this is something that we really need to uh, deal with, but from a learning perspective rather than from a let's identify the cheats uh, mm. perspective. Um, so that, that's how I would look at it. I think if we're, if we're setting up assessment tasks in such a way that um, we would be unsure about the connection of that piece of work to its own history, then we're probably not setting up assessment tasks in a way that's, uh, that's as effective as they could be as a learning tool, you know, not, not whether you're identifying cheats or not, but are you really assisting human learning here? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I'm more interested in technologies, not technologies that catch cheats, but technologies that catch students in the act. <laughs> okay. And then help them uh, understand. Understand why Perhaps that's wrong. Yeah. This is, mm -hmm. there are other ways you could think about this. this. Yeah, okay. actually there's some other thing here that's important. It's not just that you, you know, and, and as I, I'm, I'm really not a great technologist, but as I understand um, uh, these kinds of emerging AIs, they can be really fantastic, a bit like the calculator, you know, do lots more calculations very, very fast. Mm. Well, these kinds of technologies can help us understand um, uh, a representation of a lot of things that are already out there. Mm. I'm really not convinced that AI is at all creative, and this comes back to the artwork. This is one of the reasons why I would contest that AI can actually produce art, mm. because there isn't that connection to a history. It's just a fairly, a fairly abstract connection of bits of data, mm. and 
you know, as I hear AI experts say, it's not actually thinking. You know, it's not thinking in the sense that we would understand thinking. And actually that um, the reconnection of things in new uh, ways where we see an opportunity beyond what's currently understood, mm. that's where creative creativity kicks in and where, it, and where that is connects us to some deep um, historical trajectory and projects us into some next state. That's where creativity really sits and I don't see AI doing that at all yet. Yeah. Um, and learning tasks really should be mapping how students are coming to terms with that set of capabilities. Um, yeah, I think, I think you've, called, you've actually called out what is essential in terms of how we design assessments. Um, but I'm also aware that the redesigning part of it might take some time and it might require even educators actually learning how to use this AI to embed them in their, in, in, in their learning and teaching, which, which um, I'm guessing will be part of professional development in the long run. Just before, just so that we can um, wrap up this, there was a statement I pulled out from, which was a statement by um, TEXA, um, Tertiary Education Quality and Standard Agency. I'm going to read it verbatim just to get a sense of mm. what your thoughts are on the statement and the suggestion. It says, um, TEXA's Integrity Unit Director, Dr. Helen Ginnell, said, while some institutions are banning AI through their institutional policies. Um, the long-term response to open source AI tools would, would need to be more sophisticated than just banning them. What are your thoughts on that, just as we wrap up? My thoughts, we should be going and getting the AI. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're not gonna be got by the AI. Okay. So yeah, no, I think, I think she's absolutely right that, um, that uh, there's huge opportunity there for us. We, we need to be um, we need to be engaging with it in very clear ways. Uh, in some cases, it's not going to be appropriate to access um, AI tools in some tasks, and that's fair enough. But that's a little bit different to a sort of institutional ban. Um, I'm not sure what the people in the computing and AI department at those institutions yeah. are thinking, <laughs> yeah. but because uh, they're the ones developing all this. You know, yeah. So it's these are human tools that require, um, uh, you know, that require us to think deeply about how we use them and what we can use them for and for what purpose and to put them in an ethical frame, to put them in a learning frame. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's what we do. I mean, that's what universities have done for a very long time and I guess we'll continue to do them. I think that's a great way to put a wrap on today's Integrity Matters by turning it in. Um, today we've explored um, a perspective of what um, AI would look like in our learning and teaching spaces. I've been talking to Dr. Richard Blythe from Curtin University today and he's shared his thoughts on how we might approach it or what the landscape would look like. I would like to say a big thank you to Richard for his time today. Um, so big thank you Richard. My absolute pleasure and great talking to you Chuck. Likewise. <laughs>